Matthew chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 14. Matthew chapter 3, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For, the, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We'll go back to verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, if you go back to the book of Numbers, you see that Moses uh, did lift up a brazen serpent or a brass serpent up on a pole. And the reason he did was that the people uh, that were following him had sinned. It says they had sinned against God and sinned against Moses. They'd spoken against God. They'd spoken against Moses, uh, the leader that God had chosen to uh, lead them out of uh, the land of Egypt, which was a land of bondage. Uh, to lead them into a land of blessing or a land of promise into the promised land. And so on that uh, journey, uh, they began to complain. And uh, as a result, because of their sin against God, uh, it says that the serpents came out and bit them. And as they uh, were bitten, they were dying. And so a good number of them had died, and uh, they began to cry out to God uh, for uh, grace and mercy, and, and so when they cried out to God, they repented and cried out to God, and they asked Moses to pray for them, and in that uh, time, Moses prayed, and when he sought God, when he prayed for the people, it said that God spoke to him and said, I want you to uh, make a brass serpent or brazen serpent and lift it up on a pole, and everyone that looks, when he looks, he shall live. So their sins were forgiven and healing came as a result. Now we know that that is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even in our day today, you can go to a medical facility and there's a serpent on a pole, which represents healing, but really it is a picture of that brass serpent uh, that was in the book of Numbers that was referred to that Moses uh, lifted up. And so when they looked, they were forgiven of their sin and they were healed. The word look there is not just a uh, casual glance, but rather a uh, steady and absorbing gaze. In other words, you look uh, to that brazen serpent and you don't take your eyes off. And so as they were looking at that brass serpent, they were forgiven and they were healed. But that is a type, simply a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it says in John 3 and verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The reason he must be lifted up is because our sin deserved death. Sin brought death. The wages of sin, we know from Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, or actually uh, chapter 6 and verse uh, 23, it says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So there was a penalty for sin. There's always been a penalty for, for sin. There will always be a penalty for sin. But Jesus Christ hung on that cross to take that penalty for you, to take that penalty for me, to take that penalty for all of man's sin. And so when he hung on that cross, he was made sin for you. He was made sin for me, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, 
For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us. So then Jesus was made to be our sin. Where did he become our sin? On the cross. When he hung on that cross, he became sin for you and for me. God took the aggregate sin of the whole world, past, present, and also future. And at one time in human history, Jesus Christ was made to be sin for the whole world. And when he was made to be our sin, the wages of that sin was death. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. That's why he had to suffer for us. Is because our sin deserved death. And the end of our sin was death. And so if there was going to be any redemption for humanity or any redemption for man, somebody has to die. And he was the only one that could qualify as our substitute because he was the only sinless man. He was the only one that could qualify as sinless. He was without sin, the scripture says. He was tempted in all points, yet without sin. Because he was born of a virgin, supernaturally conceived in the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus was born of a virgin. He came into this world sinless, and he lived a sinless life. And he died on a cross, and he was made to be sin for you and for me. He was, as the scripture says, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. And John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus. He was a prophet that was to prophesy of the Messiah, of the Christ. And so he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. The blood of bulls and goats and animal sacrifices could not take away our sin. It only covered the sins of the people for one year. And then again, at that uh, time, they were to come and they were to make atonement for the sins of the people. The people would bring animal sacrifices. The, they, the priests would offer the blood of those animal sacrifices in the Holy of Holies so that the sins of the people were covered. And they would again, though, have to come year after year. But thank God, Jesus Christ died once and for all. He died for you and for me, and when he died, he died to pay the price for all of our sins. He died to pay the price for all of man's sins, past, present, and future, because he was made to be our sin. God judged our sins in the person of Christ. He suffered in our place. He died in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be justified, so that we could be free from sin and the power of sin so that our sin could be taken away and we would not have to stand before God uh, sinful and stand before God knowing that our sins would separate us from him. No, thank God. Jesus Christ was that mediator between God and men. He hung between heaven and earth and he stood between God and men and he was the mediator. He was the peacemaker. He was the one that brought man and God back together again. Jesus paid the eternal price for your sin and he suffered in your place and your sins were judged in him and because he died in your place death paid the penalty for our sins. And so God could declare you not guilty or God could declare you justified in his sight and he could receive you unto himself and God would bridge the gap between himself and men through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He could bring God and man back together again so that we don't have to live with sin and sin consciousness and live with guilt and with shame for the rest of our lives and throughout eternity. Thank God we can go to heaven knowing that Jesus 
has made us free. Amen? Let's go to the next verse. Verse uh, 15 says that whosoever, so verse 15, of course, connects to verse 14. He, the Son of Man, Jesus, the Son of God, hung on that cross. He was lifted up that whosoever, or so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So anyone who believes on Jesus could have eternal life. Anyone who would, who would put simple faith in Jesus Christ, anyone who would believe that Jesus died on that cross, that he uh, was buried and that he was raised again the third day, when they believe eternal life is imparted, eternal life is simply life as God has it. It's the life that God has. It is the life that Jesus came to bring. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I'm come that you might have this Zoe kind of life, this life of God on the inside of you. Jesus came with that kind of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. As the Father hath life in himself, so is he given to the Son to have life in himself. But he came to this earth with that life so that you and I could experience that life. But we couldn't experience it until he died, was buried, and then raised again. And when he died and was buried and raised again, if you simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will see the gift of eternal life. God's very own life is imparted to your spirit, and you are born again. You become a new creature in Christ, and old things pass away, and something supernatural occurs in your spirit the moment you believe on him. Let's go to the next verse, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. I'm glad today that God so loved the world. He didn't just love a few. He didn't just pick and choose. He didn't just say, well, you know, I just like you. There's just something about you I like. And then other people, he said, there's just something about you I don't like. So uh, you get pushed aside and come on into my house. No, God didn't pick and choose. No, God so loved the world. He took all of the world's sin into the person of his son. He laid on him the sins of us all. And Jesus Christ suffered for the sins of the whole world. He died for every man, every woman, every person that had lived, is, was living, and that would live. At one time, he died for the sins of all of mankind. Jesus paid the penalty for all of man's sin. And when he did, thank God, whosoever would believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. Not only that they would, uh, they would perish uh, naturally or physically, but they will not perish eternally. That there would be eternal life. There would be life forever in the presence of God. A quality of life and also a life that lasts forever in the presence of God. We get to go to heaven. I said we get to go to heaven. We get to go to heaven because Jesus died in our place. And God accepts us in Christ Jesus. He accepts us in the beloved and we're accepted in the presence of God. So he died for the sins of the whole world. God so loved. What was the motivation for his death? Love. God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so his motivation for sending his son is that he loved us. Love goes a long way. What's love got to do it? Do with it. Absolutely everything. Praise God. 
It has everything to do with it. The love of God. God reaching out to humanity. And he, or one translation in 2 Corinthians, it says, God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. God was in Christ hugging the world to himself. In other words, God's not mad at the world. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Now, yes, God hates sin, but God loves people. Because he hates sin because it destroys humanity, it destroys people, it destroys life. And if you consider what people will do to themselves and how they'll abuse themselves and abuse others and consider the destruction that comes as a result of sin and human sin, if you would consider that, you'd see why God hates sin. But God loves people. And he went beyond their fault, and he saw their need. And he reached out to humanity in the person of his son. And Jesus died, and he was buried, and he was raised again. He was lifted up on that cross for you and for me, and he paid the penalty so that you could be free. God is a good God. Now, he did it because of love. But even though he's done it, we still have to believe He did it for us. He did it in our place, but we still have to believe in order to receive. And when we believe on Jesus, when we accept Him as our Lord and our Savior, we receive the gift of eternal life. Somebody say, I thank God I have life. Now let's go, if you will, to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, we're going to begin with verse 6. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. In verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. And if you're wondering, that's Jesus. When we were without strength, Christ died for the what? Ungodly. So he died for us while we were yet without strength. In other words, we were at the end of ourselves. We were at the end of our hope. The scripture says we were without hope, without God in the world. So we were without hope, without God in the world. But in due time, God, in the fullness of time, sent forth his son. And he sent forth his son into the world for the purpose of dying in our place. And so, Jesus Christ, in due time, died for us, the ungodly. Verse 7, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. For a righteous man would one die, for a good man some would perhaps die or dare to die. But thank God, God went further than that. For God so loved the world, not just the righteous, not just the good people, not just the people uh, that, that were doing the right thing. No, he died for all of humanity. It says, for, but God, in verse 8, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Jesus was raised. Christ died for us. That was the proof of God's love. One translation says, God proved his love toward us. He proved it because God didn't just say he loved us. He acted on it. First John tells us that we're not 
to love in word only, but in deed and in truth. So we are to follow through with action. Don't just love in word, but also act on those words and live the life of love and love somebody with the love of God. Well, that's the way God loved us, and that's the way we are to love others. God loved us. While we were yet sinners, he proved his love. He acted on his love. He sent his son. And God so loved the world that Jesus Christ died for us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. In Romans 3 and verse 23, it says, all have sinned. It didn't say some have sinned. It says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, which means that all have been affected by sin because all sin in Adam, Adam's sin affected the whole human race. Sin was passed down generation after generation. And Jesus Christ bypassed that sin nature by coming into this world as a vir- through a virgin birth. He came by the Holy Spirit and he came and lived and walked as a man and lived a sinless life. But every other man was touched by sin. Every other man, a woman, a person has been infected by sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have failed to measure up to God's high standard and no one could measure up. No one could uh, ring the bell, so to speak. If you hit a 10, you ring the bell, but you're always hitting a 2. You're always hitting a 3 or maybe a 1 or maybe a 5, maybe even a 9 at your absolute best day. But I can tell you, you'll never hit a 10 without Jesus. But when you get Jesus, you receive the gift of righteousness. You're restored into a place of right relationship with God when you accept Jesus Christ and make Him the Lord of your life. It's not a work lest any man should boast. It's not by our good deeds or by our good efforts. It is simply by believing on Jesus Christ. And then good works come out of a new nature that you're made in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? So he said God commends or he proves his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He did it in your place. He was your substitute. He took your place so that you didn't have to go to the cross. You didn't have to die for your own sin. You didn't have to pay the penalty for your sin. And God did it for you so that you could be made right in him. Verse 9, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Because we're justified by His blood, we're saved from the wrath through Jesus Christ. In other words, there is a judgment day. There is a time where we will all be judged for our sin if we don't receive Jesus Christ. But if we acknowledge that His judgment was our judgment, that when our sins were judged in Him and we believe on Jesus Christ, and acknowledge Him as our Lord and Savior. At that point, your sins have passed away. So you're free from sin. Somebody say, I'm free from sin. But He says, much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Justified by His blood. Through faith in His blood, Romans chapter 3 tells us, through faith in His blood, we're made right with God. Righteousness is a gift. Romans chapter 5 and verse 17 says, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Those who receive what? The abundance of grace. God's grace is abundant and it's abundant to whoever will receive it. He said, we who receive the abundance of grace 
and of the gift of righteousness. So you receive righteousness as a gift, and it comes by grace, which comes by faith. Through faith in his blood, we receive the righteousness of God. It says here again that we are justified by his blood, much more than what sin had done in you. Righteousness has prevailed. Much more than what Satan had done in your life, Jesus has prevailed. Much more than what Adam did through his sin and his fall, Jesus Christ did. He raised us all. Thank God, because much more in Adam shall all die. But even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. In other words, Jesus has restored us. Jesus has redeemed us. Jesus has delivered us, and we are free from the power of Satan. We are free from the power of sin. We are free from the power of darkness. We've been delivered from Satan's kingdom. We're in a new kingdom. We serve a new Lord. Jesus Christ is our Lord. God is our Father, and we have been made free. And whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I mean, absolutely free. There's enough joy in the church. Hallelujah. Come on. Think about it. What happens next? Verse 10. For if when we were enemies, when we were what? Enemies. Somebody say, I was an enemy. The word reconcile simply means to restore to a place of friendship or favor with God. See, if we were sinners, then we were enemies of God. But Jesus bridged the gap. Jesus was the mediator that brought man and God back together. And so through Jesus Christ, the, the bridge has been made. Jesus has made the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There was no other way to get to God. There's one bridge, and his name is Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So when you come to God through Jesus Christ, you get right to the Father through the blood of Jesus. Amen? Verse 10 again. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Again, reconcile means to restore or bring back to a right fellowship or friendship or favor with God. So he says we are reconciled, how? By the death of his son. Now remember, the wages of sin is what? Death. The gift of God is what? Eternal life. If the wage or the penalty for sin is death, and we are sinners, all of sin comes short of the glory of God, then the only answer is that somebody's going to take our place. And that somebody was Jesus. He was the one who hung on the cross, died in your place, substituted for you, and he was made to be your sin. And if he was made to be your sin, then if your sin deserved death, and it did because the wage or the penalty for sin is death, if your sin deserved death and Jesus took your place, then when he died, your penalty was now paid. Now, how many would like to be out of debt? Like your mortgage paid off, debt free. How many would like your car note paid off, debt free? How many would like your refrigerator, if you got one of those that you're paying off, uh, debt free? How many would like, uh, like your credit cards? paid off debt-free, you'd like somebody to send you a notice that said paid in full. How many would appreciate that? And if somebody did that for you, you'd say thank you and be happy about it, right? Well, think about Jesus. That's what, that's what he did. 
He paid the penalty. He paid a debt that you could not pay. Now, you can pay payments. It's worse than a credit card. You can pay payments for the rest of your life. And you can pay payments for eternity and still not be able to fully pay for your own sin. But thank God, Jesus, we're talking about value here. The precious blood of Jesus that he shed on that cross was sufficient to pay the penalty for all of man's sin, past, present, and future, at one time in human history. And the power of the gospel touches all time with equal closeness. When you speak about Jesus, it doesn't matter what generation it is. It doesn't matter how long you've lived. I tell you, when you hear about Jesus and you believe on Jesus, the power of the gospel works at any time, any place, for anyone who will simply believe it. It's the gospel. It's the goodness of God. It's good news what Jesus has done for you and for me. He said, much more, we've been reconciled by the death of his son. So his death paid the penalty. We've been reconciled, restored to friendship and favor with God. He says again in the latter part of the verse, and we shall be saved by his life. Saved by his Amplified Bible says resurrection life. We shall be saved by his resurrection life. So it took his cross, his being made sin, his death, and then his resurrection in order for us to now believe on him. Believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess him as Lord with your mouth. And the Bible says you shall be saved or you shall receive the gift of eternal life. Next verse, verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God. You wonder why people get a little excited? It's because they're joying in God. He said, we also might joy in God, rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom or by Jesus we have, been, we have now received the atonement. Now, the word atonement in, in my margin, in my Bible, and other translations will say, you have now received the reconciliation. Now, the reconciliation was made when Jesus died. His death was reconciliation for all of humanity. So, in other words, the penalty has been paid. The price has been paid. The provision is made. But we have to receive it in order to benefit from it. So, that's what faith is. Simply believing that Jesus died for your sin, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised again, and confessing Jesus as Lord with your mouth, receiving Jesus as your Lord. Remember in the book of Revelation, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, open the door, I will come into him. I will fellowship with him, and he will fellowship with me. In other words, Jesus will come on the inside. That's literal. Jesus comes on the inside. Now, primarily, in that particular context, it's talking to believers that are out of fellowship with God. But really, the principle works for anyone that hasn't believed. The principle of you open your heart, you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. When he speaks to you by his Holy Spirit through his word, and you open your heart, and Jesus comes in, and he comes in to live. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So we've been reconciled by the death of his son, but by faith we receive that reconciliation. In other words, we receive that friendship. We receive that favor with God. We receive 
a relationship with our Father and our God. Hallelujah. Let's go, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll begin with verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Therefore, if any man, any man be in Christ. Now let's go back to John chapter 3, verse 16, without turning there, but just simply go back to the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that what? Whosoever. Whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes. So this is a whosoever gospel. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely, the book of Revelation says. So we come and we receive eternal life. Whoever. Why can whosoever come and receive eternal life? Because Jesus died for all the whosoever. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. First John says he, not, he, he didn't just die for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. So his, his redemptive work on the cross was far-reaching. It reached every human being for every generation, for every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every people group. Jesus' blood was shed for all of humanity. So it covered all of humanity. If it covers everyone, then whosoever will, let him come and take what Jesus has provided. He said, whosoever will, let him come and take of the waters of life freely. Now back to this verse. If any man be in Christ. How did any man get in Christ? He believed. How did she get in Christ? She believed. Anyone that is in Christ is a person who has believed, who has put their faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get in Christ. Or in other words, spiritually, you are connected to him. He's in you. You're in him. There is a vital spiritual connection between you and Jesus. You and Jesus have something going on. Come on, Jesus is your Lord. God is your Father. Spiritually, you're connected to Him. Now, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. He didn't say you're going to be one day. He said you are. If you are in Christ, then you are a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things have become new. So spiritually, you were born again. John chapter 3. Spiritually, you received eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 36. Spiritually, you have received the gift of eternal life. You are born again. Spiritually, you are saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus has given you eternal life. You're born again or you are saved. All are synonymous. You are now a child of God. And when you are born again, old things are passed away. So the old person that you used to be, your old sin-loving nature died with Christ. Your old man, your old man that used to be in your physical house, your body, that old man died. So when the devil comes knocking at your door, just tell him he doesn't live here anymore. When temptation comes knocking at your door, say, oh, no, he doesn't live here anymore. That old man died. Are you sure? Yep, I saw him. He was buried. I went to the funeral. I saw him lower him in the grave. But the wonder of it all is that he was raised a new man. He said, old things have passed away. 
become new. And a new creation has been made in you because you're in Christ. What does the next verse say? Verse 18, in all things are of God. Meaning your spirit, in your inner man, all things are of God. All things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. All things are of God who hath, everybody say hath, meaning that it's already done, who hath reconciled us, remember reconciliation, reconciled simply means to restore to a place of friendship and favor, turn enmity into friendship. So we were enemies. Why were we yet enemies? While we were sinners, Christ died for who? The ungodly, the sinner, right? But God has reconciled us. He's turned our enmity into friendship. He's turned our sinful self into a favorable self. In other words, he's turned us to favor with God. We have now friendship and favor with God. He has already reconciled us to himself. How? By Jesus Christ. By Jesus, through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, we're reconciled to God. And it's given to us the ministry. Everybody say ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. So if you're a believer, you have a ministry. Many times people are saying, well, what is my ministry? What, is, what am I to do? Well, this is one thing we're all to do. This is not just for the pastor, just for the uh, apostle or the prophet or the evangelist or the teacher. No, this is for every member of the body of Christ. You have been given a ministry. What a privilege. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is simply to tell somebody the message of reconciliation, which tells you that Jesus has already died for your sins. Jesus has already paid the penalty for your sins. God has already reconciled you back to himself. All you need to do is receive it. All you need to do is believe it. All you need to do is believe on Jesus and acknowledge that he died for you. He shed his blood for you. He was raised again for you. And when you do, you receive that reconciliation. The reconciliation is already in the bank. If I told you I was going to give you $100 and I didn't have $100, then I couldn't perform. But if I've got $100, then I can perform, right? God has already provided it. It's in the bank. If I told you I was going to give you a million dollars, and like I said, I didn't. All right, so, but if I told you that I was going to give you a million dollars and I had the power to perform that, which I don't, but maybe one day, yes, okay. So uh, if I did tell you that and I could perform it, if someone did tell you that, and that if, you know, if Bill Gates told you he was going to give you a million dollars, now he has the power to perform. He has the power to do that. We could say it's in the bank, right? If it's in the bank, then he has the power to do what he said he would do. God has the power to give you eternal life because he's already put it in the bank over 2,000 years ago. When Jesus died, was buried, and raised again, he made you spiritually debt-free. All you got to do is receive the reconciliation. It's already provided, but you simply believe what he said. And if you believe what he said, if Bill Gates told me he was going to give me a million dollars, I would fly to where he is to receive it. A few years ago, a guy called our house and he, and he said, I'm Bill Gates. I said, oh, no, 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 you're not Bill Gates. But he said, oh, I am Bill Gates. 
I'm a friend of your wife. I'm a friend of your wife. My, and, and he said, no, you're not Bill Gates. But you know, he was Bill Gates. <laughs> but he wasn't the Bill Gates. His name was literally Bill Gates. But I didn't believe his name was Bill Gates. I thought he was messing with me. I mean, Bill Gates calling my house? Yes, sir. What, what's up? What you doing today? Uh, are you in town? No. I didn't believe it was Bill Gates, but he convinced me after a few uh, conversations. <laughs> yes, okay, he's married to Pam that my wife uh, knew years ago. And so sure enough, his name is Bill Gates. But, you know, he couldn't give me a million dollars. know that. I know that. The American people know that. I'm telling you. See, God has the power to perform. He has the power to perform because He's got it in the bank. Jesus put it in the bank. Reconciliation, debt-free spiritually, is in the bank. And when you believe it and you accept it, you receive it, and you receive eternal life. You receive your reconciliation. You receive your favor. You receive your friendship. God is your friend. I mean, that's good news, isn't it? God's your Father, and He's your friend. Praise God forever. God is your Father, and He is your friend. Hallelujah. We've been reconciled. Verse 19. To it, to know that God was where? In Christ. Reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ, reconciling the who? The world. God so loved the what? World. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God was in Christ, reconciling the world, restoring the world to a place of friendship and favor with himself. That was God's work of redemption. It's in the bank. He's reconciled the whole world to himself. But if a person doesn't receive it, they go into eternity without it. But if they receive it and receive that reconciliation, they go into eternity with God. Now let's go to the verse in Amplified Bible. Verse 2 is Amplified. It was God personally present in Christ reconciling and restoring the world of favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. Not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but what? Canceling them and committing to us the message of reconciliation, of restoration to favor. God counted up men's sins and put them in Christ. But he's not counting up your sins and holding them against you. He counted up our sins, put them in Christ, and he canceled our sins in the person of Jesus. Jesus died for us. His death meant that your sins were wiped away. His, his death meant that you were justified in his own person. That's done in the legal side of redemption. That's done. That's finished. God doesn't have to do that again. It's in the bank. He has the provision. It's already made. Listen to it in the 
Wrong translation. That the ministry, that ministry is based on the fact that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, wiping out the debit balance of our transgression and setting his reconciliation to the credit of our account. Now, if Bill Gates called me and said, you know, I want to exchange accounts with you. I'll put your name on my account. I'll trade. Now, the Bill Gates that called me on the phone, no deal. The Bill Gates, the Bill Gates, we can make a deal. You can have everything I got. If I can have everything you got, except my wife. All right. So, listen. God made an amazing exchange. He was made sin. Jesus was made sin that you might be made his righteousness. Jesus tasted your death so that you could have his life. Jesus paid the penalty for your sin so that you wouldn't have to suffer eternally. How good is God? And He's given us a message. Listen to it in the Barclay translation. The fact is that God was acting in Christ to turn the world's enmity to Himself into friendship. That he was not holding men's sins against them. And that he placed upon us the privilege of taking the men who are hostile to him this offer of friendship. God has placed upon us the privilege of taking to men who are hostile to him. You may have been hostile to God. We all were in one sense. We were all enemies. But somebody brought a message of hope. Somebody brought a message of salvation, message of forgiveness, a message of deliverance, a message of healing. And when God has laid upon us the privilege of carrying this message, it's like carrying water to somebody that's dying of thirst. It's it's carrying bread to somebody that's going to die if you don't feed them spiritually without God and without hope in this world, possibly going out into eternity without Him. But we have the privilege of taking the message of the gospel, the message of reconciliation, which simply means Jesus has already paid the price. Jesus has already died for your sins. Jesus has already paid the penalty. Jesus has already made it available. All you got to do is receive it. How do you receive it? By believing. Believing that Jesus died for you. So simply carrying the message. You're the water boy. You're the, uh, uh, you're the bread man. You're the person who's carrying the water to somebody that's dying. You're the person that's carrying the bread to somebody that's dying. We want to be those who carry the message of hope to the world. Jesus said it this way, freely you've received, freely give. The apostle Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. When you know how much God loves you, and you, want, you realize and you're conscious of what Jesus has done for you, you want to tell somebody. You want to share the goodness of God with somebody. And express the love of God to somebody. 
And we can more accurately express the love of God if we receive it. When you know how much God loves you, how much Jesus gave for you, then you can effectively share because you can take that bread or that wine. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He's the water of life. You can take that bread, you can take that wine to somebody else who's in desperate need of life in Jesus. 